It's always humbling to preach on this weekend, this Martin Luther King weekend, when we remember Dr. King and his life and his legacy. It was so extensive. And in our appreciation of him, it's easy to over-romanticize what he was about. We forget that in his time, many of us would have struggled with his radical call to justice. I think I saw this morning that when he died, his disapproval rating was at 75% in America. So I find one way for me to get engaged and to speak on this Sunday is always to go back to his words. And this week I revisited uh, this book collection of his sermons called A Gift of Love. The sermons that he preached and the speeches that he gave helped me remember what he was actually saying and help work on me in this current moment rather than giving something that was approved in the past and maybe easy for me to to lend my my support to and more what is challenging for me today this week i spent some time with a sermon by dr king called the three dimensions of a complete life and dr king said there are three dimensions that we must have The first one is the length of our life. And he didn't mean number of years. He meant loving yourself by being realistic about your limitations and offering yourself compassion and acceptance. Asking yourself, who am I? What do I do well? The second dimension is breath. And this is what he defines as the outward concern for the welfare of others living interconnected, remembering that we each have an important part to play in the web of life. The third dimension is height, cultivating our connection to the divine. And I loved uh, his little humorous bit that he had in here, so I'll share it with you. He says, I'm here to tell you today that we need gods. Modern man may know a great deal, but his knowledge does not eliminate God. And I tell you this morning that God is here to stay. (laughs) A few theologians are trying to say that God is dead, and I've been asking them about it because it disturbs me to know that God died and I didn't have a chance to attend that funeral. They haven't been able to tell me who the coroner is that pronounced him dead. They haven't been able to tell me yet where he's buried. We need this connection to God to sustain us through the struggles of our lives, says Dr. King. And reading the sermon this week as I was pondering today's text turned out to be a great pairing because this is the Sunday where we are remembering the baptism of Jesus. This year, the the larger church's lectionary invites us to look at the account from the Gospel of Luke. Now, all four Gospels have some mention of Jesus' baptism. John just has a little blip of it but Matthew Mark and Luke have longer narratives around it and they all take a different take which reminds us that the Bible is not a convert is not a textbook but it's a conversation where we see different people are emphasizing different things and maybe sometimes saying no I think this is more important or this is more important but today we look at how Luke told the story the way Luke tells it Uh, has some similarities and differences, and yet we'll see some of the markers of Dr. King's three-dimensional life as we walk through the story. 
So John the Baptist is preaching and preparing the way for Jesus to come in verses 15 to 17 that Cindy read for us. John is really clear about who he is and what he is about in the world. And while he is a divisive and often stark figure, he knows he's just the opening act for what is to come. He knows his job is to start the conversation, to shake things up a little bit, to prepare the hearts for the great threshing floor of Jesus' ministry, which will reveal what is the wheat and what is the chaff, what is of substance and what needs to be let go. John the Baptist is living into the length of his being. He knows where he starts and where he ends. He is clear about who he is and what he is about in the world. Dr. King tells the story of, as a sociology major in college, taking statistics. And he had a friend who had a natural aptitude for statistics. And this friend could finish his homework and get phenomenal grades in about an hour a day. Whereas for Dr. King, he could, as much as he tried, could never finish it in an hour and could never get the same level of mastery of statistics. And after some frustration, Dr. King realized statistics was not something that was easy for him. It was going to take him longer. And similarly, we often expect ourselves to be able to do everything well and completely and perfectly, to be the very best at every aspect of our work to know how to parent our children at every stage of life, even though we've never been parents of children at that stage of life before, to know how to be in a partnership or to be single at every phase of adulthood, to keep a clean house and to return every email and text with responsiveness. I was just apologizing to someone for not getting back to them at passing of the peace. Living into the length means separating our value and our worth from our capacity and our competency. Living into the length of our lives means separating our value and worth from our capacity and competency, which is hard for a lot of us type A's. And it sometimes takes some maturity for us to get there. This is why we often talk about the Enneagram at class or strength or at church at strength and strengths finders, because we want to encourage everybody to think about who are you and what are you about in the world. And so it's interesting to see how John living into the limits of his calling actually makes way for Jesus to step into the length of his own life. This is hard for those of us who are high-capacity people. We can do a lot of things. And so we think we should do a lot of things. In my own life, I have had several cycles of near burnout because I live in this sense of should too often. And slowly, 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 and painfully, I'm learning to live within my own limits in order to make space for others to flourish in their own way. And we see this happening in the exchange between John and Jesus, as Jesus steps into his ministry. 
Moving on in the story, we get to what is unique in Luke's telling of the story, as I alluded to earlier in our confession. He doesn't make a big deal about Jesus' place at the baptism. In other stories, John sees Jesus coming, and it's like, whoa, look at this guy, and it's like the spotlight all comes on Jesus. But in Luke's telling of the story, Jesus is just another guy in line. When everyone else was being baptized, Jesus also was baptized, he says. And in keeping with Luke's theme of emphasizing the humanity and the relatability and the incarnationality of Jesus, Luke paints a picture of Jesus just just another guy in line for a repentance ritual, a confession of wrongdoing. So what did Jesus have to be sorry for? Our traditional tradition tells us that he lived a perfect life. But maybe his godliness was more represented in his act of getting in line with everybody than it was in this no-fault life. He's willing to, to be with the ways that the world is bent and broken and hurting without any need to defend himself, without any even need to say, hey, it's not my fault. He says, gets in line and says, we're all in this together. Let's all get in the river. Let's all make a fresh start. Here's Jesus embracing the breath of his life. While he may, we may have been eager to give him this special set-apart status, he was aware that the meaning of his life was being interconnected with the life of the world. When Jesus gets in line with the rest of the people, he's identifying with them in a way that did not give him special status. When we think about, you think about the breadth of your life and what it means to live interconnected, it's a tricky one sometimes, at least for me, to think about or even to talk about because you know, modern psychology and, and the ways that things have developed, we know, we know our capacity for burnout. We know the necessity of boundaries. And for those of us who have a lot of privilege, we're often able to also have a lot of choice around how much we give and how we structure our lives. So when we think about the breadth of our lives, we can give, but not in a way that affects us too much often or asks too much from us. We always kind of have a, a door out where I can give you to you and I can think we're interconnected, but, but it may not affect me that much. And there's a health and an unhealth in that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we do need those boundaries and we sometimes have to say that's enough. But at the same time, I think... We, do, we miss sometimes that call of Jesus and the call of Dr. King to ask us to give and in a way that sometimes costs us something. A book that's been helpful for me on this is a book by Joan Halifax called Standing at the Edge, and she makes this delineation. Helping, fixing, and serving represent three different ways of seeing life. When you help, you see life as weak. When you fix, you see life as broken. But when you serve, you see life as whole. Isn't that fantastic? 
I'll read it again. Helping, fixing, and serving represent three different ways of seeing life. When you help, you see life as weak. When you fix, you see life as broken. When you serve, you see life as whole. Living into the breath of our life means learning how to serve, not how to help or fix. It's a journey of wisdom, which brings us into the third dimension of life, the height. In Luke's account, the voice of God that announces Jesus' beloved and chosen does not happen in this, again, this kind of, you know, angels singing kind of way. Or it happens while Jesus is praying. Then the dove came down and the voice from heaven spoke. You are my son, whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness, as the common English Bible puts it. Jesus puts himself in the way of knowing his belovedness through prayer. And I think this is what Dr. King meant by the height dimension. It's so easy to get busy with the length and the breadth of our lives, taking care of ourselves and taking care of others, that we forget that God is there, that there is invisible help, as the poet David White says, to give us access to something beyond ourselves and beyond what we can find in others. Connecting to this height is essential for the fully three-dimensional life. It expands what is possible and how we can grow. It helps us get through when we don't see a way through. God seems to always make a way where there is no way, even if it's not in our external circumstances. There are doors that open within us where we find new courage, where we find extra grace, or we find a deeper capacity to love unconditionally. So in this story, we see a model of, of what it means to live a life in the light of God in those three dimensions. Love for oneself, love for others, love for God. But life is not always that clear. There aren't always those moments where it all becomes clear how we're supposed to move ahead. So I'd like to just invite you to take a moment and, and maybe you want to close your eyes, maybe you want to look at the trees or uh, look at your cat if you're at home. And let's take a moment to reflect on these three aspects of our lives together. And I'll just give you about 30 seconds to, in silence, respond to these questions in your heart. Where do you find yourself trying to prove your worth? What would it be like to rest in your belovedness just as you are? And how can you offer yourself self-kindness? Take 30 seconds to listen. And here's some questions about 
the breath of your life? What is your growing edge in living in service to others? Where is your resistance to unconditional love for others? What is the next step to deeper love? Take another few seconds together. And as to the height of our lives, when was the last time that you allowed yourself to sit long enough to be loved by God? Have you opened your heart to the presence of God in the places where you feel stuck? Take a few seconds to listen. like to close with the end by reading the end of Dr. King's sermon. Go out this morning, love yourself, and that means rational and healthy self-interest. You are commanded to do that. That's the length of life. Then follow that. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. You are commanded to do that. That's the breath of life. And I'm going to take my seat now by letting you know that there's a first and even greater commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. I think the psychologist would just say, with all thy personality. And when you do that, you've got the height of life. And when you get all of these three together, you can walk and never get weary. You can look up and see the morning stars singing together and sons of God shouting for joy. When you get all of these working together in your life, judgment, justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. When you get all three of these together, the lamb will lie down with the lion. When you get all three of these together, you look up and every valley will be exalted and every hill and mountain will be made low, and the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. When you get all three of these working together, you will do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. When you get all three of these together, you will recognize that out of one blood, God made all men to dwell upon the face of the earth. May it be so. Amen. 
as our musicians come and uh, sing for us, I invite you to give. There's ways to give online or here in the sanctuary, and that's all in your bulletin. Thank you. Trouble, God's gonna trouble the world. 
Let's pray together. Oh God, may we listen to that invitation to wade into the water even when we know it may be troubled. To go deep and wide and high in our love for you and long and in our connection to each other so that we may be in that troubled water together. Seeing and participating with you in the redemption of our world and bringing hope and light and peace and joy and justice and seeking the freedom of all. This morning, we come to you with many, many heavy hearts, losses, concerns for those who are sick, stuck in very personal divisions, And we ask that you would be with us in that, that you would teach us how to love even in this moment, that you would keep us moving forward in, in hope and joy and being of service in our worlds. We thank you for Jesus and the way that he taught us to pray and taught us to live, even as we pray this prayer together. Our God who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I ask those of you in the sanctuary here to stand as we sing hymn number 765, May the God of Hope Go With Us. And those of you online, you're welcome to stand or dance and join us too as we sing. May the God of hope go with us every day, filling all our lives with love and joy and peace. May the God of justice lead us on our way, bringing light and hope to every land and race. Praying, let us work for peace, singing, share our joy with all, working for a world that's new, faithful when we hear Christ call. us every day, filling all our lives with love and joy and peace. May the God of justice send us on our way, bringing all of life to good in land and race. Praying, let us work for peace, singing, share our joy with all, working for a world that's new, faithful when we hear Christ.
Christ called.